You are listening to episode six of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show and get ready for an awesome interview. Today, I'll be speaking with a personal friend and coach of mine, Mr. Dan Northrup. For my introduction to Dan today, I want to tell a quick story. So this story I feel is really inspiring. For those of you who, you know, look up to someone or you feel like someone might be able to help you in in some way with either your horsemanship or your personal life, Uh, This is a great example of how just reaching out and asking for a little help might be the very thing that transforms your life and shifts it in a positive direction to be able to keep on towards your goals. Dan showed as a youth in the open quarter horse shows in Atlantic Canada. He showed in all the Western classes, halter, Western pleasure, trail, horsemanship, and showmanship. When he was out of the youth, he started training horses for some extra money. In his 20s, he took a particular interest in the magazine Performance Horseman. He enjoyed the training articles, and one professional in particular had a series of articles that he became quite interested in. In this magazine, this top trainer wrote a very detailed series of articles on how he trained his pleasure horses start to finish, and Dan made a commitment to follow his program. After the first year, the colt Dan was training came along nicely, however, there were still some gray areas for him. Dan thought that if he could actually ride with this trainer, he could clear up some of those areas for himself. So one day, he just picked up the phone and he called him, Alex Ross. And Dan says that he'll never forget the call, which gave him an opportunity to go work personally with Alex for a month with his own horse. At the end of Dan and his wife Kelly's month with Alex, he learned that Alex's longtime assistants were leaving to go out on their own, and with the encouragement of Kelly, they decided to stay, and Dan feels that it was the best decision he ever made. Alex and his family turned out to be amazing people and always treated Dan with respect and helped his confidence. Dan says every single thing he does today still reflects Alex's influence. Alex taught Dan a lot about horsemanship and equally as much about how to conduct himself in life. Dan has since moved back to Atlantic Canada, where he trains and teaches out of his personal facility in Quispamsis, New Brunswick. However, he still keeps in touch on a regular basis with Alex and considers him one of his closest friends. Dan is still involved in the quarter horse circuit with his students. However, he's now investing his time in the reining industry as well. 
Dan has a hunger for knowledge and considers himself a lifelong learner. He says the more he learns, the more he realizes there is to learn, and that's what keeps him excited and motivated to go to the barn every day. He considers it his responsibility to be a positive influence on the people he is lucky enough to work with as clients and as fellow professionals. His hope is that the lessons they learn while working with him and sharing their passion for the horse will flow into all areas of their lives. I'm looking forward to this conversation, so let's talk with Dan Northrup. Hello, Dan. Welcome to Take the Reins. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. Hey, Nikki. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you coming and speaking with me tonight. And you are speaking from Quispam Sis, New Brunswick, correct? Right in my cozy, warm house. Beautiful. That's awesome. So, Dan, you've been involved in the horse world for your whole life. Can you tell me who is your most or who is the most responsible for your continued horsemanship journey? Well, my grandfather originally, um, he trained and drove standard bred racehorses. So um, I started going to the track with him when I was three years old. And, you know, I think a lot of it is, it's just right in your gene pool. It's just something I always wanted a horse and wanted to be around them. So uh, he's mainly responsible, I guess, for, for the beginning and the continued journey. That's funny because my grandfather, I would say that my influence would be my grandfather as well. And he was actually a thoroughbred racehorse guy. So oh, neat. I agree. It's, it just seems like it's in your blood. Um, Absolutely. Even the way um, he did things around his race stable, the way he kept things and how well organized it was. And even as a small kid, I enjoyed that part of it. Just a neat stable and the horse is well taken care of. And uh, always really enjoyed that. I sometimes I wish that my house was as tidy as your barn is, but you know, well, well it's a lot of work, but it's, uh, work. it's it, it's part of the enjoyment for sure. I, I take a lot of pride in it and uh, get a lot of satisfaction from that part. Well, it definitely shows. These days, what gives you the most satisfaction with your equine partners that you feel like you're lucky enough to work with? I think the biggest thing, as you know, uh, similar to myself, it's an ongoing journey. And the more we learn, the more we realize there is to learn. And uh, I really enjoy now like horses that come in that uh, maybe are a little troubled. And, you know, as you know, the horses uh, really pick up on body language. That's how they communicate with each other. And especially the sensitive horses that come in. My feeling is, you know, they've been getting screamed to probably most of the time they've interacted with humans. So it's a really rewarding thing to have a horse come in and uh, read that and be able to interact with him and give him a little bit of comfort and peace and confidence in his surroundings. You, I mean, you can really see it in their expression and, and of course how they behave. I think that's my favorite part of bringing horses in as well. I said to somebody the other day, well, uh, you know personally that I'm working with a horse that's a little more dull than I'm used to. And um, the person I was working with was like, you gotta, you know, you gotta bring your energy up a little bit. And I was like, wow, I'm so used to being the one that really brings the energy down and, and the one that makes sure that everything is cool, calm, and collected all of the time. So it's a very different dynamic for me to be the one that has to motivate versus build the confidence. Like he's, he's so naturally confident that it's flipping the switch on me just a little bit. Yeah. I think that's part of the journey too, to be able to read the horse and make the changes in our approach based on uh, their own disposition. 
Mm -hmm. which is fun. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's, I kind of joke sometimes because I've been putting off um, going into the arena and and really dedicating work. And I just joked with somebody the other day, I was like, I'm not sure if maybe I'm ready for the life lessons that this one's about to teach me. I think I just need a minute. (laughs) But I think I think he's going to teach me some some lessons that some other horses um, I haven't had the privilege to really been have been reinforced quite yet. Well, especially if you're, yeah, I mean, you, you're used to a lot of the cow bred horses. So mm-hmm. uh, those are the ones you have to monitor the energy level from the other end of the spectrum. Right. Uh, yeah. This horse is, uh, he's just a little more docile mm-hmm. uh, than what you're used to. So uh, yeah, it's probably, probably good that way. Yeah. I mean, the real quiet ones were, you're used to dealing with the cow horses. I've even seen in a particular situation a pretty broke pleasure horse that didn't want to lope off. Mm-hmm. You remember that? I do. <laughs> I recall that. Speaking of bringing up our energy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. That's the um, neat thing. That's the neat thing about horses too. They'll, I mean, I think I've heard you say they're a reflection of ourselves and they they certainly tell on us like we have one in particular in the barn. If you ride well, he, he, you know, you have a good ride. If you don't, he doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And he tells on you. So I always Mm -hmm. find that really interesting to watch different riders interact with the same horse. Yeah. And you also said that, you know, you get these horses that are often nervous because they've been yelled at. Um, how have you figured out how to translate the change that you need to make for the owners? So if the owners are, are why are, first, why are they yelling at their horses? Um, what, what's your interpretation of that? And then like, how do you make sure that when that horse goes home, that that person ha- understands the flip that they need to make personally to make things work? Is that, is that clear? Um, yeah. Well, I guess the first thing when um, the owners come in and work with the horse that uh, we've given a little change in approach with, um, a lot of the owners are unaware of even just the the smallest amount of uh, body language Mm -hmm. that we can use and actually have an impact on the horse. Mm -hmm. I mean, even as far as, you know, after we ask a horse to perform a maneuver, uh, stand there and like totally relax the tension in our body. I mean, you can see that horse when you get all the way out like that, how it just brings them down. Mm-hmm. Um, or versus, you know, somebody maybe a little too quick with their body language. And then when the horse does de- uh, deliver the maneuver, uh, they stop what they're doing, but they don't totally relax. And um, I'll, the horses read read that and they pick up on it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, you know, along the lines of communicating with the horse that's so important is, you know, how we apply our cues. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, uh, those type horses that are kind of hot, uh, we have a tendency to apply three cues all at one time. Right. And, you know, it's just that kind of thing, making people aware of those things. Yes, absolutely. So if you can have people tune into their own body language in order to then, um, I, presence has, I think, come up in every single 
interview that I've done so far in order to be present enough to be aware of what they're doing with their horse, right? Um, so rather than overwhelming the horse with cues, they're, they're allowing themselves to feel what the horse is telling them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, giving, again, to apply your cues, the smallest cue first, and then layer them on mm -hmm. uh, based on how the horse responds. And, and giving the horse a chance to think his way through the cues as you go up through the different uh, cues that you give. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the best things that you've taught me over the last couple of years would be the, the importance of consistency. So consistently asking the same way and expecting the same from your ask and then translating things from there. Um, but that consistency is so key. And I think sometimes we're so outside of our, our own self while we're with our horses that we kind of forget how important that consistency is. Absolutely. And it takes a disciplined effort mm. to get, you know, subconsciously consistent. First, it's, you know, it's learned behavior. Um, you know, we have to approach the horse in the same demeanor every day, ask for the same maneuvers with the same cues in the same order. And uh, we aren't really always wired to do that. It depends on what's going on in our environment, maybe at home or at work. Mm -hmm. um, we have to learn to get emotionally in the right place to approach that horse with consistency. I think that the, the thing about that, the horses, they get confident mm -hmm. as a result of that. Like if you're totally consistent and, you know, the minute you swing your leg on them or go to work them in the arena from the ground and you're totally reliable every day, mm -hmm. um, they get comfortable. Yeah. It takes so much worry out of the situation. Um, I feel like sometimes horses get blamed for the worry when really it's, it's just a result of all of the mixed communication that's been taking place for so long. Absolutely. And, and just, uh, you know, having a good read on, you know, especially if you're teaching a new maneuver, um, you know, to find the right starting place. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's pretty small try. And Absolutely. Yeah be able to decipher between confusion and a lot of times I think, uh, you know, work too quick to, you know, decipher that as uh, resistance. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's just, you know, they're, they don't lay awake at night and think, well, how can I kind of mess around with Dan and Nikki tomorrow when they're trying to teach me something? Mm -hmm. uh, so the clearer we can make our communication and then read how they respond to that, Mm -hmm. and hesitate a little bit when we're asking for things between the ask and when you get your first little try. And I, I find myself even lately, like I've been paying more attention to that, like a little hesitation if they, you know, don't quite get it right off the bat. And, and a lot of times it's like, yeah, they were trying. They just quite weren't getting their feet in the right place right. as an example. When we do stuff with trail, when you, when you say really taking that time, um, it makes me think about when I look at people who are trying to get their horse to do an obstacle and I'll say to them, like, just allow your horse the time to think. And I truly believe that sometimes we just function with our horses and we don't even acknowledge or, or 
or believe at this point that our horses do think that they just respond to what we say and then move on. But they're emotional beings that have the ability to think their way through situations. And if we step back for a moment and then watch the process as they think out something, so especially I'll, I'll use the water box for an example. When you watch a horse go through the process and really mm -hmm. acknowledge how they're thinking their way through, it allows you the ability to pause because you know that there's some thinking going on versus saying, oh, why don't they just do this? Right. Um, you hear that a lot. Well, I think the thing is, too, as you increase your understanding on how their mind works, mm -hmm. it, it, it's the thing isn't always the big prize. Right. Like if you're really, really into it, it's so fascinating to get a little try, you know, just through understanding rather than like, you know, let's face it, like you can kick and pull one to do just about anything, mm -hmm. but to actually understand how his mind works and help him through a process yeah. and to see him willingly try for you like that, that's what's really rewarding. Yes. Yeah, I agree. So Dan, can you tell me what your long-term goals for your horsemanship are? Long-term, I basically just want to continue the journey and uh, try to get a little better every day. Mm -hmm. um, both for the horses and any of the people that I'm lucky enough to uh, help coach or train their horses. And I want to also be a positive influence on any of the people I happen to have the privilege of, again, either riding their horses or, or coaching mm -hmm. them at shows or and that type of thing. Yeah. I feel, you know, when we're in a position to coach, uh, it's a big responsibility. Um, how we communicate and how we teach the lessons mm -hmm. can have a long-term, very positive impact on that individual or not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I grew up in the English world. It's funny because this wouldn't be an insult to any coach that I had because they're exactly what I needed at the time that I had them. But now as an adult, I look at how some coaches, um, and it's probably not just in the in the English world. It's probably in in all disciplines. But how some coaches really hone in on the the drive factor. So it's almost like in order to be able to motivate their their students, they they have to bring them down first. And so just seeing that and being around that when I teach, I try very hard to make sure that I'm you know, building those students up so you can be constructive and, and push them towards goals, but at the same time, really treating them with respect. And I think that's probably why I was so drawn to you as a coach, um, because you were so positive. And when I walked away from every lesson with you, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I can, I can accomplish anything with a little bit of work. Like at no point have you ever made me feel like anything is done magically because you're very much about the work that needs to be put in. But that positive reinforcement goes a really long way. Well, I appreciate you telling me that. And, you know, that's a lot of the reason why I do it. Like if I can have, you know, that sort of effect on somebody, my hope is that you'll take that and uh, use it in other situations or circumstances in your life. Right. Um, so that's, you know, that certainly motivates me. I really uh, take a lot of pride in that and actually quite enjoy it. Yeah. As, yeah. as much as training the horses. 
Yeah. And I think if the, if anybody goes out and sees how you work with people, I think it, it's quite obvious, but it's good for my listeners to be able to kind of make that connection to you um, that, you know, you, when you are working with a horse or working with a person, there's just this, this positive spin on it um, that you really, as a person that's learning from you or someone watching you work with a horse, it's hard to walk away and be like, Oh gosh, like, why'd he do that? Because everything has this, this um, positive outcome. Like you, you're working towards a positive outcome all the time and it's very obvious. So I, I appreciate that personally. Um, well, thank you. Much. Yeah. Thank you. Other than the horses, what do you enjoy the most about being in the horse business? Um, I, enjoy I think you've the touched people. on it a little bit. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I probably got ahead of you a little bit. That's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. I enjoy the people. Um, I enjoy the travel, uh, seeing new places. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always exciting to get a new horse in the barn and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, see what we can get accomplished. And I mean, I like just about everything about it, right from the care of the horses to working with the people, uh, the horses that have been here a while. I mean, it's a never ending journey. You're always trying to help even a horse that you've had in training for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, you know, trying to help them through things and keep them maintained and maybe even improve them a little bit. Um, yeah. That's, that's where I, what I like. Awesome. You say that your biggest challenge is and always will be taming your need for perfectionism. And can you tell the listeners your advice on how to fight the need for perfection and why you think it's so important? Because I know for a fact one of the very first things that you ever said to me that made an impact and literally it has shown up in every area of my life since that day. And that is progress, not perfection. Can you explain to me why you like that so much and why you're really um, invested in it? Well, I, I argue with myself internally a lot about <laughs> that type of thing. And I'm driven to, you know, constantly improve. Um, to a fault mm-hmm. um, and you've got to get out of your own way like that and the, the thing that has helped me that way you know when it comes to training horses is I try to ride with a plan and so I know what exercises I'm going to work on uh, and I have like a clear, clearly defined goal on, on what I expect from that horse in the exercise that day that is a huge help and and so you know that way i let go of the big thing so like if i'm as an example if i'm teaching a horse to turn around and he's just starting to learn i'm going to work on helping that horse put his feet in the right spot or get my inside rein as an example connected to his inside foot and so you know the first day maybe just a small move with his inside foot back and underneath Mm-hmm. I'm not going to expect them to do a 360 and, you know, do a perfect turnaround. So clearly define goals for each exercise that you're doing on a daily basis has really helped me. That's, um, I think that was one of the things that I needed to learn. And I, I think that was something that I learned well from you when I first started working with you is the importance of breaking everything down. So instead of being like, okay, today I'm going to work on lead changes. And then I go and lope across the diagonal and put my leg on and expect a perfect change. 
Um, right. so that, you know what I mean? So instead of just, yeah. and then if I don't get a perfect change going across the diagonal, adding a little bit more leg and expecting right. a perfect change. So really breaking that down and saying, okay, where's the communication broken down here? And how can I show this horse that when this leg comes on, this is what I need to have happen. So what exercises can I do before I ever get to the lead change in order to reinforce my ask? Um, that was really important for me because I feel like I, you know, I was a competent enough rider to go in and ride and ask my horse to do the things. Um, but I wasn't going in with a clear enough plan to make it totally black and white for both the horse and myself. Yeah. So I guess like using that as an example, like the lead change would be the thing or that's the mm -hmm. goal. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, to start at an appropriate spot and say, okay, let's break this down. So, you know, as an example for lead change, he better be able to do like a balance counter canner. Right. Okay. Well, we can break that down even more. And, you know, depending on the horse and how athletic he is to start that horse in a counter canner might be just a shallow loop off the track yeah. and back to the track. So it's like adding those steps, knowing number one, the goal is the lead change. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we add the steps and we get all the responses instilled in that horse so that when we do the thing, guess what? The day that you say, okay, we get, we've got all the foundation laid for this maneuver. Mm -hmm. When we change legs, he changes leads mm -hmm. because he already knows all the, all the things that you're asking right. him with your cues. And it's like the maneuvers built in. And the stress and the worry and the, the lack of, of assurance is all just left behind. Absolutely. For us and them. Right. Because you know, as well as I do, if you go out day one and say, okay, we're going to do lead changes and the horse has never changed leads before, mm -hmm. but that's your goal that day. Mm -hmm. Well, you, that doesn't usually end well. What do you think if someone is focused on perfection versus progress, where do you see that influence them the most or where do you see that go wrong the most? Well, well, number one, it's no fun because mm -hmm. you, you don't, you don't reward your horse for, you know, an appropriate try right. uh, that day. So like, you know, a month in like two steps in a turnaround is not appropriate for that day. So those are important things like, cause you can get the other way too. And really you'll end up with what I call forever green horse. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, you need to be uh, experienced enough or have help that can help you define what's an appropriate response based mm -hmm. on the maneuver that you're working towards for that day. Right. And, you know, the other thing is, again, if you go out and you go, beyond what they're ready for that they, they kind of don't like ideally they sort of know the answer to the question mm -hmm. because of the exercise you used before so uh, you know it sets a horse up for success and it just it just makes it a lot less frustrating for the horse right. and you so i have a little story about try um, that I'm going to share with you and the listeners, and we're going to just connect it outside of the horse world for a second. And I cannot believe that I didn't see this sooner, but at the same time, it's something that I work on having to see 
continually. So with horses, I'm very tuned into the try because I work with obstacles. So when I'm working on the ground, um, I, you know, I can, I can give on them just rocking their shoulders forward an inch and be like, yes, right. like, thank you right. so much. That's fantastic. I remember one day my husband and I were kind of like at each other. So it was probably like a week of us just back and forth, not, not really in flow together. Like we were just being, That's it felt like we were in like this week long conflict. Right. And I think that happens in marriage. That's all right. Um, but I remember I was in the barn one day and I had this moment of realization where I went, Oh my God, he's trying. I had, I had kept telling him, okay, I need you to listen to me when I do this. I need you to show me affection when this happens. I need, so I was telling him all these things that I needed, but I was so busy telling him what I needed that I actually didn't see all of the tries along the way. So he was getting so frustrated because he felt like he was doing the things and I was getting frustrated because I just needed to keep talking and telling him the things that he wasn't doing. Um, so I was just looking at the end result, right? I wasn't looking right. at the tries. Yep. Um, and that day, just looking at going, oh my gosh, like just shaking my head and saying, you know, I, I do this so well with horses. How did I not see it? And I think since that day, it made a shift in my marriage to be able to say, oh, okay, when you actually say I need this, to, to have a clear image in your head of what does a try look like? Right. Because right. I think and that's something that people miss with their horses or with people or with you know, anyone that they communicate with. If you're saying what you need, you, if you don't have a clear picture of what, that, what a positive you know, move in the right direction is, then you can't actually see what the try is to begin with. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think for me, it helps to be, to try to be totally present, mm -hmm. uh, you know, out of my own head a little bit mm -hmm. and uh, more conscious, you know, with exactly what's happening presently. Right. That, that really helps. Yeah. Yeah. Horses and humans. Horses and humans, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Riders and horses. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So you told me that you're one of the greatest lessons of working with horses, or I guess this would be two of the greatest lessons that working with horses has taught you is humility and perseverance. So can you tell me where these has, have shown up most for you in your relationships with people rather than horses? Um, hmm, that's a tough question. <laughs> well, humility, the, the horses will keep you, um, humble, Absolutely. uh, just as a result of, you know, one day you're like, I got this figured out, I, you know, I can do this. And then the next day, the same horse, you're scratching your head like, um, Hmm. And I thought I had it all figured out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it certainly keeps you, uh, your ego in check that way. Right. Um, so, I mean, that spills over to your interaction with people too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to, because it keeps you at a level that, uh, you know, you're always willing to listen and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, maybe consider someone else's approach for things outside of the horses 
Right. Um, and, you know, I guess with the horses, the more you learn, the more you realize there is to learn or another way that you don't, the more you realize you don't know. So it certainly yeah. uh, opens your mind up to that, that type of communication. Yeah, it really keeps you teachable. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, perseverance. I mean, if you don't have perseverance, you mm. won't last a long time training horses. Uh, yeah. It's just, you know, you've got to be, uh, you know, totally in love with the sport, number one, but you have to have that, that inner drive. And, and honestly, it's like, it's not work to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that has taught me that the, my biggest revelation when it comes to that is, uh, and I just really started to realize that the last few years, you have to do what you're wired to do. Interesting, and yeah. So, yeah, I don't have to get up in the morning and think, oh, I've got to make myself go ride that horse. Um, I'm still excited every morning to get up, go to the barn, get saddled up and get to work. Mm-hmm. and um, I don't have to make myself do that. So there's other people like, uh, you know, my brothers, as an example, they're very much wired to do business, mm-hmm. and uh, they work hard at it, but it's not like a disciplined effort. They have to make themselves work. They're wired to do that, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're motivated to work towards the end that they want to, you know, be successful because that's the way they're wired. It's no different than me jumping on a horse. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's to learn what your currency is. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to finish off our chat today, I have to ask you, now you don't know that I'm going to ask you this question and I'm really excited okay. to hear your answer. I really admire your relationship with your wife and I would love to hear your secret to a happy marriage. Uh, well picking the right partner originally (laughs) that's a big thing yep and uh you know treating uh each other with respect uh knowing we you know we're not wired completely the same Mm -hmm. she have has uh outside interests which you know um i certainly encourage her and Mm -hmm. uh and appreciate that part of her personality. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so we have some t- separate things we like to do together. Uh, I mean, we've known each other since we were kids. And I guess that's, you know, we're, we respect each other. We were fortunate enough to pick compatible mates. She puts up with the horse <laughs> habit and uh, she's very supportive, but uh, I try to, you know, reciprocate you know, the same thing. The same support. Um, yeah. Yeah. And lucky for me, um, she's probably a bigger support of um, my horse passion than I am of her um, hobbies. But uh, <laughs> lucky for me, Kelly's pretty special that way. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she is a special person. Well, thanks again, Dan, for joining me today. You personally are one of my favorite people to talk horses and life with, and riding with you always leaves me feel capable and empowered. I'm proud to have you as a guest on my show, but even more so as a friend. Before we go, can you please share with us where my listeners can find you online? Uh, on, we have a Facebook page, uh, North of Quarter Horses. Mm-hmm. 
So you could find me on there. And of course I have a personal page too, Dan. But nobody can add you on your personal page because you've reached your friend max limit. Uh Oh, (laughs) how did that happen? (laughs) I'm not sure. I think it happened from a a photo that uh, a dear friend of ours took of you on a handsome horse. That could have happened that way. That's (laughs) probably what it is. Um, But yeah, on uh, North Recorder Horses on Facebook, you can find us. And if you message me on there, um, you know, I try to always uh, be fairly diligent and uh, follow up and enjoy chatting with people. Any questions or. And you're on Instagram as well. Yeah. Under North Recorder Horses. Okay. Yeah. And we're always up for a visit and a coffee. So uh, we love people to come by. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dan. It was great to talk to you and uh, I'll actually be seeing you soon. We're looking forward to it. Okay. Bye now. Thanks, Nikki. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening, and we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind.